This is Raw Cut. Welcome again to Life Burst. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. Today, another real life story from an incredible woman. Yes, this is Life Burst. It is fantastic that you can join us wherever you're joining us from, whether it's community TV, community radio, or online. I am Matt. And I'm Sarah. Thank you, Amelia, for coming in today. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and all your adventures that you've had in between up to this point. But take us back. Where did life start out for you? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yes, to the beginning. 38 years ago. Right, there we go. Straight <laughs> off the bat, we know how old she is. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I was born and grew up in Adelaide mm-hmm. um, in the kind of northern suburbs, a really lovely um, family and really happy childhood. And I've lived in Australia really ever since, mm-hmm. apart from some travel overseas. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, where did life start out? Just... Oh, I can't even think. Besides Modbury Hospital, yeah. where I was born. <laughs> Did you grow up with siblings around you? So I have an older brother and yeah. sister. Um, I was an afterthought. My mum really wanted a third. So five years after my brother and sister, I was born, which was a blessing to all. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of yeah, course. We, can't, <laughs> we can't say anything different because we don't know we your other siblings. Get, oh, well. <laughs> we'll get them in and hear their side of the story later. So there was a significant gap between. So, yeah, so they're 18 months apart, so they were very close. And then I was a fair bit after them. But it was, yeah, it was good. And what was that like, though? Well,. It was good, and I think it was good for my brother because my sister wanted to do her own thing, and I was my brother's kind of little friend that would go along and do everything, including, like, he could dress me up in army clothes and the full Uh get-up, like, makeup and everything, and I would go down the river with him and we would (laughs) army crawl and do all the things. So I would really, like, hang out with him a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. There were some questionable Um, interactions between my bigger brother and sister and me, including the time when they would throw bits of fish to me and I would pretend to be a seagull, Uh you know, because when you're the little sister, like anything (laughs) goes, you know, and anything went for them as well. But it was good. Like they were kind to me and we we really have a good relationship now as well. Um, But I liked being the little one. Life was easy Mm. (laughs) because they forged the path. Right. <laughs> you to go along. My sister specifically forged the path. So, so were there any times when you got away with things that they would not have got mm-hmm. away with? Pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everything. But you earned it, it sounds like. You, Pardon? You earned it. I it did. Like. Yeah, I did. I went through what I needed to go through to earn that privilege of of life being very easy. I never got grounded. I got to go to the schools that my brother and sister we kind of had a lot of trouble in and my parents decided then I got to go to the easier schools. Um, I got to go out and kind of have fun without getting in trouble. I got to like, but I was probably much better behaved than them as well because I learned from them mm. and my parents learned from them. And then I think most youngest children would agree that life is pretty sweet 
<laughs> most yep. of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an eldest, but I, oh, I can see you? that. Yeah. I can, I see, can that. see you kind of glaring yeah, at me yeah. going, I know. <laughs> I am the eldest too. Are yes, you? That's right. Look. Oh well, me and me and my partner Matthew are both the youngest of three, so we both kind of have the easy. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned schools. As you got into schooling, mm-hmm. uh, did that things change for you? Suddenly, you were amongst peers your own age. Well, yes. Um, school. Yeah. So I guess I was then more on my own mm-hmm. when it was school because they, my brother and sister, were already kind of getting on to like high school mm. when I was in primary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I changed schools in year four, which I really loved school. And when I changed schools in year four, I got really badly bullied. And that was like a real shock to me because I was so excited to go to a new school. And suddenly I had no idea. I just didn't understand what was happening, but mm. um, I was bullied quite severely by the girls. And I think from then I had to like find who I was and that's I mean that's taken up to now really because mm-hmm. I guess we all have those times in our life where we lose a part of ourselves mm-hmm. and I think bullying is probably a fairly common because I was so young and impressionable I thought that there was something wrong with me if mm. the girls at school didn't like me. Mm. Um, what were they doing? What were they saying? Uh, well, things like uh, I think it was like the first day. I went to sit at a desk and they just said I couldn't, just like little things. Like Looking back, it doesn't seem much, but it's kind of like I couldn't sit there. I couldn't play with them. Um, I couldn't hang out with them. If I if my things were on their desk, they'd push them away because mm. it was just an every day I just kind of hoped, like I remember just saying I hope they're nice to me today because then it would be an okay day. So I think it probably took that whole year and my you know, my parents were worried. My mum spoke to the teachers. The teachers knew what was happening but didn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, it was challenging but, I, you know, I've become the person I am now because of, like, partly because of that, I think. Mm. So ended up with really good friends in that school and, yeah, I got through it but it, ha- it did really change mm. my kind of experience of schooling and maybe that's why I homeschool my children now. (laughs) There could be children, maybe even young girls that are watching this that might be experiencing that at school and you Mm. might have really just clicked with them to say, okay, well, you're older than me. What do I need to do so that they stop doing this to me? Mm. Well, I guess, I guess the thing that when, when I was going through it, I never ever thought that it was anything to do with them. I thought that there was something wrong with me. And so probably the advice I would give if anyone is in that situation or even for parents that are supporting their children Mm. is to just build their sense of self and know that if children are bullying, it's usually as a result of their own, you know, like they Mm. might have a bad home life or their, you know, children aren't going to bully unless they've been in bad situations themselves. Mm -hmm. So instead of me thinking I had to do everything different to make them like me, I think, I mean, it was probably okay. I had a good family and I had other friends outside of that. But I think your peer group at school is so important that, you know, it did affect me. But I think just having one or two good friends, just getting a bit of perspective um, of like it doesn't mean anything about the child that's being bullied. So I think 
yeah, I can't think what else would be. But it's just, yeah, really building that muscle of knowing that mm. it's not the child's mm. worth <laughs> and mm. that school is not everything as mm. well. Like there's so much more than school. And you know that once you leave school and, you know, you become an adult, you look back and it's kind of, it's such a little, you know, we feel like it's our whole world when mm. we're at school. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so, for sharing. That is. Mm. That is. So outside of the, the school setting as you were mm-hmm. young and with your family, your siblings, did you do other, were you into sport or hobbies? What were the things that you threw yourself into? So I loved netball. Yeah. So I did netball through that school and that was amazing. Like mm. I made lots of good friends in there um, doing netball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I loved, I just loved kind of anything like artistic and... I think netball was my thing. We used to do play netball at, on Anzac Highway on a Friday evening in the middle of winter, which was like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you turn up to netball and be absolutely freezing, and then by the end of it, you're like, "Oh my god, how could I even put a jumper on?" Because it's like, yeah. you know, like after all the exercise. Yeah, yeah. But that was just really invigorating. I loved it. Um, yeah, I think netball's really the main thing I did outside of, you know, the normal school stuff. Mm. I was never, I never filled my time up too much. I liked just kind of being at home and like had my little dogs that I'd play with and just, you know, seeing friends and stuff. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nothing too stressful. Nothing too stressful. And I'm still like that. I don't like to fill up my time too much. Yeah. I've always been kind of a, like, if I enjoy, so- if I enjoy something, I'll do it. And if I never push myself too much, mm-hmm. I don't stress myself out too much. That's very good. Well, we will hear more of Amelia's story straight after this on Life Best with Matt and Sarah. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. Thanks for joining us on Life Burst with Sarah and Matt. And we have Amelia in the studio talking through childhood. And as you <laughs> moved on to your uh, high school years, uh, tell us what was high school like for you? Well, I guess high school I was still kind of navigating, you know, who I was and um, trying to work out where I fit in and where I belonged. And mm-hmm. so in high school I kind of flitted around um, to all the different groups trying to figure out which one suited me. And mm. I probably ended up, I really enjoy, like I did enjoy high school, but I ended up kind of befriending the, you know, maybe like the people that hang out by themselves, like the artists and the people, like the people maybe that were new to school. Mm. And we would kind of form little groups together. And I actually, yeah. So that's kind of. That's lovely. Yeah. And then I did kind of have, you know, like part of the bigger groups I would like, but I was never one. I was never the popular girl. Never, ever. And I really had to, like, yeah, just kind of, it was a lot of figuring out, I think, Mm. a lot of, and I was much more interested in friendships and that than academic pursuits, Mm. although I did did love my art and all that kind of thing. But the rest, it was more like a social experiment for me than, you know, Mm. wanting to actually get somewhere in terms of my academic life. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, and so then where did you go from? You've just spent th- three years at one high school and then yes. moved to another So place. I was at um, mm. like a just a regular public school and then I just felt a little bit lost there. I think I just felt like there was too many people and I was one of two, like, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. And then 
my sister, there's a beautiful school in the city called Mewden College, mm-hmm. and it used to be a secretarial school. So my great-grandmother actually went there and she, you know, so it's been around for like a hundred odd years. Okay. I don't know exactly. Um, and then my mum went there. Wow. And then by the time my, my sister went there as well, and it was a like a college, so year 11 and 12, and then I went into it. And it's this beautiful old building. It still just looks like a, you know, like a house kind of frontage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go in there and it's just beautiful all like it was all the same kind of fittings like the black and white tiles and just gorgeous and just like there was only about 30 30 students wow it's a big difference and i just loved it it was very different and i just soon as i walked into it i knew that it was the place for me we didn't have to wear uniform we called all the teachers by name um there was no such thing as getting in trouble and getting like detention because it was the kind of school where we were responsible for ourselves, mm-hmm. and just I just absolutely thrived there. I just loved it. It was like the best decision I ever made, and it was like my intuition just told me that that was the right thing for me. And yeah, and I'm really glad that I did do that. Yeah, and were you able to uh, explore your creativity that that side of you at that? School? Yeah, and yeah. because it was because it was such a small school. Um, we were able to, like, well, they had a beautiful art room and there wasn't, like, it didn't, didn't have much funding. We didn't have a lot there, but we what we had, we could just, you know, it was about us being creative. Like, I remember we painted the art room door mm. and, like, we could just do things that, it was like, it was almost like a big family, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and for our geology camp, the reason I chose geology, because I don't really have a huge interest in rocks, although I do was that I knew we'd go on a camp and we'd go in, like, the teacher would just take, there was just a group of us and we'd all fit in the back of her, like, what is it, like a, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And we'd head off and that was the camp. It was just the funnest thing ever. (laughs) Like, again, it was, like, not, it wasn't a, like, academic thing for me. It was just where was I going to have the most fun. Mm. And, Yeah. Right. That high school was good. Yeah, sounds brilliant. <laughs> and as you got to the end, towards the end of that, was there mm-hmm. pressure to uh, to think about what you would like to do after that? Where are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Geologist? So that's interesting, <laughs> actually, because, again, like, you know, even in year 12 when everyone started, like, kind of thinking about what uni they wanted to go to and doing all that, I remember sitting in the library and I was like, nah. I don't want to go to uni. Like it was just this feeling in me that I didn't, it didn't have, I didn't have that urge in me to do it. And so there was no, I knew that if I tried, it just wouldn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I knew maybe there was something else. I didn't really understand that that's what I was doing. I just knew it wasn't right. And I didn't even bother filling out the paperwork or anything. I just knew that there was something else in store for me. So Mm. no, I didn't like, I kind of, I just, I passed and that was fine. I had fun, but for me, I had other things other adventures to go on <laughs> what were they well i i think i like the first thing i did was went on a road trip right in my little teeny tiny car me and my friend from high school went on a little road trip up to queensland um and i just kind of i didn't really know exactly but i just knew i wanted to work make money and travel and so that's what i did i would like work my mm. parents owned a pet shop and they'd had that since I was like five years old. So I could work there on Thursday nights and Saturdays. And when I finished high school, I could work there more and I could save up money. Mm-hmm. And then I could 
Travel. Go on my little trips yeah. and okay. fly to Melbourne and visit my cousins. And then my first big trip was to New Zealand, which I had secretly planned. And okay. <laughs> obviously, people know about it now. Well, it was secret at the time. It was secret at the time. I want to hear it's about the now. pet shop. I want to hear about that. Uh-huh. Tell us what that is like being in a pet store. Well, as a five-year-old, when your parents buy a pet shop, I thought it was the most exciting thing <laughs> in the whole world. Because puppies. And, and even, kittens. well, do you know what I was most excited about what? was you can get little dog biscuits and they're co- covered with chocolate. It's carob like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would take them and I would, like, eat all the chocolate. <laughs> do they know this? <laughs> Without any influence sure of your siblings. Do. This was my playhouse. Like, this was my, like, I was like a kid in a candy shop, like, literally, except it was dog candy. And I would try. Are parents right now? (laughs) I'm pretty sure they know. (laughs) They were like, as long as I was happy, they probably thought that's fine. I tried all the different things. I tried fish flakes. I tried bird seed. I tried. (laughs) I played with the animals too, but I thought it was fascinating to try all the different foods takes you back to the when i would try bits of fish that my yeah i think there's a connection there (laughs) and i still love food Mm -hmm. different like you know a bit more mature (laughs) taste now (laughs) but i've always been experimental when it comes to food right (laughs) but no the pet shop was great and we would take the puppies home on the weekends and i learned about customer service i would serve customers it was good. Mm. I really liked it. My brother and sister were there too. So. Did the novelty wear off of having being surrounded by all those pets? Uh, yes. Yeah. It did. Mm. And now I have no pets. <laughs> and my daughter, who's five, desperately wants a dog, and I just kind of smile and change the subject because it's <laughs> like, to me, it's like, they. I mean, they're great, and I can see the benefit of having a dog, but there's a lot of work as well. And I remember, like, it just, I guess, we had it for 20-odd years and it was non-stop. So mm. you'd be at work and then they, the puppies would be at home and then you'd be at work and then it was like not just one puppy. Yeah. Five, ten puppies, you know, and mm. it, so it was like, yes, and the novelty has worn off. Although I did grow up with my own dog um, and that was amazing. Okay. But What about yeah. the other animals, turtles, snakes? Those oh, we didn't have snakes. Dogs. We had turtles. Okay. We had hermit, I had my own hermit crab. So I would pick a pet every now and again and bring it home. So I had a hermit crab. That was called Curly Kermit the Ugly Hermit. Right. Um, he name. didn't last very long because apparently you need to feed them. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had birds. Mm. Got them from the pet shop. I can't remember what else. We had oh, we had fish. We had all the things. So, we, you know, I got to have lots of different pets at different times. We got our cat, Ashley, yeah. came from the pet shop. Um yeah. Yeah. But you wanted to travel and that mm-hmm. was a big, so having a pet does limit that a bit. So yes. tell us about some of your travels, especially in those early days. So, well, so I ended up managing my own, one of my parents' pet shops. I ended up okay. having kind of two or three at different times in Adelaide. So I ended up managing one of them. And I just kind of remember thinking like, this is, this is not my path. Like I don't want to go to work every day. And I remember driving to work and just kind of, there's a song called Pete Murray Opportunity. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I would play that. And I'd almost, I'd be like, yes, I can do this, you know? (laughs) 
I just wanted that freedom. Yeah. And but I guess there's something tied in with family businesses and feeling that there's the pressure to be, mm. you know, to be part of it. And mm-hmm. so I remember putting in my resignation and traveling. I bought a ticket. This is I, w- I got a ticket to go over to Europe. And yeah, it was a big big deal. Big deal. And yeah, but I did it. Like, you know, I just kind of knew I had to do it. Well Actually, my first trip, though, was New Zealand. And okay, we'll was, come back after yeah. the break because that was the secret <laughs> surprise trip. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, okay, we'll be back straight after this Life Best Chat with Amelia here with Matt and Sarah. Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. This is Life Best with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Amelia and she's about to tell us about her secret trip that she was secretly planning <laughs> that nobody knew about until she left. Secrets is that right? <laughs> no, well, I had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, so he knew about <laughs> and it. No, he didn't. Oh, that you was didn't why either. it was a secret. Uh, All oh. I remember, well, it wasn't intentionally a secret. I just had a, um, like back then, you kind of had a little brochure, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I had a little brochure that, about New Zealand and I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. And I remember having it hidden in my room and because I'd have to break up with him to go, which was fine. (laughs) That was a good, like, you know, like, uh, yeah. So that's what I did. So it wasn't a massive secret. It was just a secret from. So this is the first first big trip though, first overseas big trip. So that was my first Mm. overseas big trip. I did a lot of um, travelling in Australia and I was in Darwin just before that. Mm-hmm. And that was perfect, actually, because I met this amazing girl and we decided we'd go to New Zealand together. Okay. Lovely. So that's what we did and we're still friends now. Nice. So, yeah. So it was a life of adventure. Yes. Back to work and earn some money, but then out on adventures. Yeah, and we went skydiving and all the things you do when you're young and you just do not think you're, you know, harm is ever going to come your way. And so we did all the things, whitewater rafting and... It was just such a good holiday. I just mm. loved it. We got a little tiny car, like this, literally the smallest car. I don't even, and we travelled around, you know, on the, like, I would just drive anywhere, up mountains. We we climbed a volcano with our thongs on, flip-flops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everyone else is wearing, like, hiking boots and we're like, eh. but, you know, we were young, free, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Getting that so, vibe. Yeah, that was really good and that gave me a taste for more travel and I knew that if I wanted to go and do my overseas trip and have a two-year visa, I had to do that before I was 28. So that was my next thing. So I worked again in between but not in the family business. All right. Um, I got a job at Trims. You remember the good old Trims? Yes, yeah. yeah. Retail? Retail. Yes, I stuck to retail and then I had, this is an interesting story, so I had a customer come in and he would order boxes of white gloves and I was always intrigued and I would talk to him like, why are you getting all these white gloves? And he said, well, they're for my staff. And I said, what do you do? And he said, I work at a funeral home and they wear them, you know, for working on funerals. And I was like, okay, funeral home. And then my head just went click. And I'm like, I don't want to sell suits anymore. I don't want to sell travel wear anymore. I don't want to do this kind of retail anymore. And so I sent my resume out to literally every funeral home in Adelaide until I got a job at a funeral home. Okay. And that's what I did. 
for a few years. Okay, you're gonna have to. There's lots. There's lots. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've ever had any, anybody come in here and be like, "Yeah, I just decided I was gonna work." <laughs> I at did. A funeral that's home. kind of how I worked. I it was, was like, if something gets into it was the gloves. Although yeah. I didn't wear gloves at mine, oh, so it was a different one. Um, yeah. So, uh, what were some of the roles you had to play in yeah. the funeral home? I guess there's a a few different roles in conducting. So I yes. Yeah, so I was very naive. Mm-hmm. I thought that working in a funeral home meant that you just sat behind a desk and you, you know, maybe help people arrange funerals and that kind of thing. And my job title when I got my job was funeral director's assistant. So I thought, okay, that's what I'll be doing. Make the coffee. Yeah, just assistant type jobs. No. Right. <laughs> um, I was right in it. So we were in, mm. we're, but I was basically working in the biggest like central mortuary in Adelaide, okay. one of the funeral homes. Right. And so my job was to um, basically drive around and um, we would do transfer of deceased. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you picked up dead bodies. Yes. And I, I'm quite a sensitive person mm-hmm. and going into that role was quite a shock mm. because I wasn't expecting it. Um, but I ended up really enjoying it because I liked the depth of it and I liked being, because we'd go into family homes, we'd go into nursing homes, hospitals. And I really liked, because I'd studied counselling and I really liked kind of connecting with people, what I liked about it was the connecting with the family and being there at that time and kind of, you know, just navigating that and, again, like just, yeah, just being able to offer comfort. Mm. in that kind of yeah it's just a very unusual time for it's people. a really important time yeah in, uh, because really important role in that time that's mm. right because mm. often we might be the first or second people there yeah um yes so i did i really i got a lot from that from that job do and... you remember when you the first time that you had to go to a hospital or a nursing home and pick up a deceased person and how did that feel well the first, yeah, it was full on. I guess I got I got a bit of training in the actual, you know, in my workplace of kind of like I got to see the bodies and that was the first time I'd really seen a body. Um, and how was that to see it? <clears throat> I, almost, like, I almost fainted, I think, just because the energy of it, you know, and... What do you mean the energy? The- well, I think I pick up on energy like... You know, and because it's like opening a door that can never be, it's like once you see something, you can never unsee it. Yeah, okay. And the Mm -hmm. first, it was, I think it was like two weeks in, a girl that I used to work with actually um, passed away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really understand. I didn't really know. I looked at her and I remember looking at her for a long time because we would also take, when people were ready for their funeral, we would take the coffin to the funeral home that it was ready for. Yeah. Um, And I remember looking at her for a long time thinking there was something, I don't know, something about her just made me connect and I was watching and then that same moment I was at work and I got a message from my friend saying our friend had passed away. Wow. Because I just, it had been a long time Mm. and I just, it's like another world in there and I didn't make the connection looking. That was her. That yeah. it was her yeah, and wow. that's why. And 
when that happened, that was like a lot of kind of grieving just yeah. because not necessarily that. Yeah, it was just those kind of, yeah, those kind of things. And, and they were really good at my work because they used to, you know, us having different emotional reactions to things. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of support mm-hmm. for me when that happened um, and a lot of other things that, yeah, it took a while to kind of, even though it was one of my most fulfilling jobs, it took a long time to recover from mm. Would have been all the things that I experienced in that job. Yeah, yeah. wow. Well, thanks for sharing about that. That's a, that's mm. a difficult thing, but mm. you stuck at it and you mm. saw the value in it. Mm. Um, so you continued that for a number of years. So I went there. Yes, I, I worked there and then I actually went overseas and then I came back and worked there again. Okay. And then decided that when I was going to be a mother, that, that I could not right. work there anymore. So that was the end. That was literally the last job I had before I decided that I wasn't going to be working for a boss anymore. Yes, and a very heavy and emotional job yes. at that, seeing dead bodies. But just to balance, time. yes, well, that's right. And it became the norm. And and like I said, opening it up to something else. So I suddenly was looking at life in a completely different way. Like mm-hmm. so it kind of mm-hmm. took away another layer of innocence of like, you know, mm-hmm. we see life in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of like, oh, you know, we go to the shops and then we have a house and we have this and da-da-da. And it's like that's often a whole area, especially in our kind of society and that we just don't think about. No, we're not good at talking about it. We're not good at talking about it. It's kind of hidden and so kind of stepping right into it is, yeah, it's unusual. But to balance that out, before I travelled, I thought I want to go and just make a quick bit of money, so <laughs> spent six months working at the casino as a cocktail waitress. That is so different right <laughs> just now. That is so out. different. Right. <laughs> so I thought I'll just, like, swap it out a bit. Yeah. So I did the casino. Right. I suppose you got to For six months try in and... the middle of that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, we'll be back for more. It's <laughs> gone from morgues to casinos. Yeah. Uh, that's live. Let's let's just say that. We'll be back with more life first straight after this. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut community service announcement. This is Life Bass with Matt and Sarah chatting with Amelia and we're at the part of the story where you meet a man called Matthew. To clarify, not this Matt, Matthew. We met today. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back a bit further. <laughs> yes, back 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost 10 years ago. Okay, how did you two meet each other? So after working at the casino yeah. for six months to earn some money, I went on my big overseas trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bit of a travel around Europe and then I went to London and I knew that London wasn't the right place for me. Again, my intuition was just telling me that it wasn't, you know, it just things weren't working there for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to get a job. I didn't really want to find a place to live. And so I thought Scotland would be the place. For no reason, I didn't know anyone there. It was just a feeling in me. And so I booked a train ticket. And as soon as I did that, I knew that it was like the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I booked like a couch surfer. You know, do you know what couch surfing is? 
Please sleep on someone else's couch? Yeah. Okay. Or in a room. Doesn't have to be a couch, but oh, it's okay. basically like travellers and, you know, like kind of younger people. Doesn't all, okay. you know, they kind of share their home and you stay and hang out and maybe like help them out with housework or whatever. So mm. it's kind of an exchange. Yeah. Uh, it's a really That's great cool. way to travel and meet people. So I, I booked a couch surfing for Scotland, Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I was on the train on the way there and it was just this feeling came over me. It was like I was going home. It was just beautiful, like all the rolling green hills and the little sheep and, mm. like, it was just <laughs> so classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I got there. And in have you been to Edinburgh? No. no. So they've got New Town and Old Town. And the New Town is not new. It's, like, 350 years old <laughs> or something like that, if I'm correct. And the Old Town's, like, a 1,000 something years old. Yep. I'm not great with history, but that's kind of like their Newtown, Old Town. Mm. Okay. Um, so I was in Newtown. I started in Newtown and I worked in this restaurant called The Dome and it was like a big fancy restaurant where you wore your black and whites and it was very fancy and I hated it. But I met a beautiful girl there who was also Australian. That's nice. And within two weeks of meeting her, she left and got a job in Africa and she said her house in the old town was, well, her bedroom in the old town was coming up for rent. Mm. Would I like to go over there mm. and have a look? And I wasn't really liking where I was staying. I wasn't really liking my job. So I quit my job after two weeks <laughs> and I hopped over to old town and I went into this house and I was like, this is it. It looked over, you know, it was on it was on the Golden Mile, which the castle was at the top of the Golden Mile. And then the Golden Mile is this beautiful, like, cobbled road, and we were on that. Mm. And I just knew it was the right thing. And then just around the corner was a beautiful little cafe called the Edinburgh Larder. And I walked around there and got a job. And maybe a few months, a year into working there, then Matt started working there, and that's where I met Matt. And he was a local Scottish boy. Okay. Came to chef at the cafe. So it was a love at first sight, just look across... <laughs> no, he was tall and lanky and very laddish okay. and, you know, four and a half years my junior. Not that I knew that at the time, but mm-hmm. I just kind of thought, oh, he seems nice. And, I, you know, I was travelling. It wasn't really a thing, but um, he was not like he was nice. I thought he was like genuinely a nice guy. And so we did start dating, but never really seriously. And I think I had about a year left overseas. Mm-hmm. And then when I came home, maybe a couple months later, he came to Australia and we started our love affair. Okay. <laughs> Again. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So that was... Uh, yeah. Did he come back? Did he come to Australia yeah, but he because of you? Or? He, no, he, he says Aww. he came to travel, but he, yeah. he landed in Darwin and was not long till he was in Adelaide. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. okay. We just kept falling back into each other's company. It was that kind of, you know. It was like it was meant to be, right? Yes. Yes. Just couldn't get rid of each other. (laughs) Yeah. So those uh, running into you happened a bit more regularly as things went on? Yeah. Well, we we did just get back together once he was in Adelaide and we just kind of, you know, um, my parents by then weren't in Adelaide. They were in Queensland near my brother. Mm -hmm. So we kind of lived in different little places and lived with friends and, um, yeah, then had babies and that's history. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) skip over that part. There we go, we're at the end, everybody. No, I'm kidding, we're not at the end. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, was there a choice in there for him to to leave Scotland or to continue travelling? Well, he never really was a big traveller. Okay. And he, I think when he came to Australia, he wasn't, like, he didn't know that he would be here for, you know, now going on 10 years. Mm. Um, but he, he really loves it here. It's like his home. And we've been, we went back, we've been back twice to visit his family. They've been over three times, I think, to visit us. Um, but I do love that he is Scottish and that, Scotland is the place that we can hopefully mm. in this climate yes. that it's still somewhere that we can kind of go to as mm. a, you know, I know mm. that he would love to live there again one day mm. and kind of maybe in the Highlands or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Australia for him, it really suits him. He likes the sun and he's, he doesn't like the cold, which is unusual. Right. <laughs> what about his parents then when they've come over a few times? Have they come over in summer or winter? Well, know, they've come in both. Like, okay. But I remember when the last time his parents came, they came in, it was like literally one of those 40-degree hot spells. Right. Yeah. And they arrived about 10 o'clock at night and his dad was wearing a woolen jumper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you've got to take that jumper <laughs> And we just moved into a new house. We had no air conditioning. And his parents were just like, the day after they arrived, jet lagged and everything, his mum's like, we need to buy. So they went out and bought those, like, um, little air conditioners that sit on the floor and they had one in their room just constantly on. Yeah. Um, And they've come in winter, which is pretty much just like their summer, and they loved it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lots and T-shirts. Yes, but I definitely prefer Scottish summer, even though the sun doesn't go down till about 11 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. Is that because the sun doesn't go down to 10, 11? No. I, I mean, when you're young, it's good. But when you're older, and because mm-hmm. I took the children there, mm-hmm. trying to get them to bed. That's a very like, mum thing to say, yeah. but like trying to get children to bed when the sun is shining still at 9, 10 o'clock is tricky. Mm. But it's still like it's like you can actually go out in the day. We've been in winter as well, and that's when Aidy was learning to walk and she was just falling over in the snow constantly little blue hands, and I'm mm. like, I do not know how parents bring children up in Scotland. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I like the sun too much. So, yeah, mm. it's good to have both, you know, yeah. both countries as a <laughs> yeah, option. Good. Yeah. So you mentioned the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. How has having the kids changed life for you um, as uh, for all those adventures you've done? Uh, it sounds like you've been able to take them on some of them. Yes. Uh, yeah, has life, life changed a bit? Well, yeah, and I was definitely ready to be a mum mm. because I had had all my adventures mm. and I knew, like, so I was 33 when I had 80, so I was well and truly ready to kind of settle a little bit and kind of, you know, like become a bit more, like, home body mm-hmm. style. And so I really, yeah, I really was looking forward to becoming a mum. It wasn't like a surprise or anything. I was, like, really ready for it mm. and it's been you know, amazing. And as you know, with children, oh, it's yes. one of the biggest learnings of your life. Like they, you know, our two children really do teach us. And I found that I've had so much growth since becoming a mum because my daughter is very similar to me. She's a Scorpio. She's fiery. Like I have that nature as mm-hmm. well. And so I've, you know, learned a lot from, from that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then having my little boy, he's three, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it's great. It's challenging. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I look back at life before children and think, man, I had so much time 
I didn't realize how much time I had. Um, but it makes the time I have now more special. Yeah. So, yeah. Take that on board. I don't have children. Yes. <laughs> we're never, yes. I have lots of but time. You, know, like you never know that you don't know. And, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different and we all have yeah. different things. But I always say just enjoy your time, mm. you know. That's lovely. We will be back with more Life Burst straight after this, chatting with Amelia, with Matt and Sarah. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle RawCutAU. This is Life Burst with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Amelia and we are now at the part of your life where you have children, mm-hmm. you have Matthew and you don't have a job at this stage. You're nearly back in Australia. So what happened? So when I got back, well, I'll just fast forward. I, I worked okay. back at the funeral home when I came back. Yes, I, yes, yes, you know, they were, they were there and I, I liked that work. So I did that. And then a few years later, well, a couple of years later, um, I was kind of wanting to become a mum. And this, even though it sounds dark, it's not actually, it's actually been a really, like, a big blessing in my life. But I was pregnant while I was working there. Mm-hmm. And then it just happened that I miscarried that just early on. But I took that day off work, that first day, and then I just never went back. Right. And it was almost like a catalyst because it was kind of like, what choice do I want to make? Mm. Do I want to stay doing that? Because I never really would have quit if it was up to me because it was, you know, regular job and mm. there was no real reason for me to quit. And so it was like took something bigger than me mm. to actually say, what do you want? If you want to be a mum, what, you know, what do you want to create for your life? And so I decided that I wasn't going to do that and I gave myself a few months and in that time I decided that if I was going to work for myself I better do something. So I started a photography business. Right. And I just kind of I always loved photography. Mm-hmm. I never had really studied it properly so I decided to do a year online course. Mm-hmm. And I was scared because a lot of girls that were doing photography my age had been doing it for 10 years out of high school mm-hmm. and I was really yeah. worried that you know I looked at their work and I thought how could I ever compare to what they're doing mm-hmm. and something kept saying to do it anyway and I just took my initiative and I my friend was getting married and I spoke to her photographer and she said if you want come along with me and just be my second photographer and see how you go mm. so I got a secondhand camera I did some photography for her she really liked what I did I just had a natural ability to take candid photos and kind of capture moments even mm. though I wasn't very technically minded it was just I was really good at just reading the you know the kind of what was happening Mm. and so instead of then comparing myself to other people I found my niche like I found what really worked for me and that's how I created my business so Mm. um yeah that's that was what I did and then I had 80 and I kind of overworked because as a photographer, there's a lot of editing. So instead of resting as a new mum, I spent many hours editing. Mm-hmm. So I loved it, but I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I kept doing that for a while and just, you know, like photography was always there and I, you know, I didn't, I kind of balanced my energy between motherhood and photography. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then coming up, 
like about a year ago, just as the kind of whole COVID thing happened in Adelaide, I thought, what better time than to start a second business? <laughs> right, yes. And so I, I kind of just in my mind, just this business idea came in and I just thought, well, I've done it once, I can do it again. And I, I started a second business um, where I would go to people's homes and help them declutter and create beautiful spaces, as mm. you might remember. Yeah. And that was really, I really liked that, you know, just having something a bit different and, you know, being face-to-face -face with people. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that worked well because I could go and then come back and I didn't have more work to do. Mm. So... Mm. So I did that. Yeah. How did you find that going into someone else's space, someone else's house and telling them what to do and what not mm -hmm. to do? Well, I think I loved it because I love going into people's homes and just I can look and I think I would love, I can just see how it would look really beautiful and it's not like an interior design kind of structured thing. It's more like a feeling thing. Mm -hmm. So it was just something I did naturally. Like I always loved rearranging and decluttering and all that kind of thing. So mixing that with my experience of working with people in very different, unique situations, mm -hmm. which I had in all my different, you know, jobs, it kind of, nothing surprised me. And I really loved the connection. So rather than, I didn't go in and kind of be like, oh, this is what we'll do. It was a process of connecting with them, finding out what they were needing and what they were wanting. Mm -hmm. And often it had nothing to do necessarily with the space, but they were wanting something more or something different in their life and the space is a reflection of that. So I would kind of help them reach that goal mm. by kind of helping them create the space so that they could then be free to do the thing that they were wanting to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and at some point businesses merged together. How did that come about? So in what way the you just you merged everything. Oh yes, yeah. well I've merged I've merged three businesses now and I yes. have my soulful I have my soulful life. Yes. So right. soulful photography by Amelia Grace and then my soulful home, mm -hmm. my soulful space and then soulful water co. So then I decided that I wanted more time with my children. I didn't want to keep going to work to create income because the more income I want, the more time I have to spend away. But really yes. my main value is to be present at home with my children because mm -hmm. I want to homeschool them. And so I want I want to do something meaningful, but I don't always want to be away from home. Mm. So I decided to work online and so I got an online business that's totally different. Mm -hmm. And it's to do like, you know, our product is water and it's and it's automated and it's something that I can kind of bring everything that I've learned from my past into this business. And it means that my other two businesses get to be fun rather than having to be my money makers. Yeah. So it takes the stress out of them. It means that they can just be what I do as like, you know, to kind of bring me joy. Yeah. And this business then, it also brings me joy, but it has the potential to, for me to actually earn the money without going out of the home yeah, and doing right. it. So yeah. I get to work around the children. So I kind of just I, organically they've all combined because I guess they're all me, mm -hmm. you know, like the water business is essentially I am. It's about having an online brand, mm -hmm. like a personal mm -hmm. brand. And so mm -hmm. because I've created that with two other businesses, in fact, 
doing these businesses helped those because it's it's given me a lot of training on how to run businesses so it's actually like yeah. brought it all together yes that's right really beautifully and what's it like homeschooling in the last few minutes we have left of our interview well it's only just began okay <laughs> um and my homeschooling kind of like the way i think about it is just to follow the children's lead so for me it's just about ease and it's about allowing the children to just be children mm-hmm. and you know, letting them have days of rest, letting them have days of being with friends. And if they're showing interest in something, then just helping them to kind of navigate that and to to do that. So, I mean, right now it's very early days because I've got a five and a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. So they're still just babies, you know, like yeah. and Aidy's learning to read and write. She just does that herself. And I just kind of read, we just read lots of books, do lots of colouring in, whatever they're interested in. So I let them lead and again, it's like with most things, I just follow my intuition. Mm. I don't worry too much about what the future is going to be like. I just know that it, it suits us now. Mm. That's fantastic. Well, mm. you've certainly lived a very full yes, and, and yeah. colourful, varied, mm. adventurous mm. life and lots of things you've thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. if, as you look back on all of that, as you've shared, uh, if you had one piece of advice that you might offer to whoever's uh, listening or watching today, what might that advice be? I think my advice would be to always, well, to know the difference between your intuition, following your intuition and stopping yourself because of fear. So sometimes we don't do something because there's something very scary about it, but actually we know we want to do it and sometimes it's just not the right path. So learning what that is and trying to always follow what feels right, even if it's a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. And if you know something's wrong, you can always change your mind and go back to the path because it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Like we all have a unique journey and we're all meant to be doing different things. And it's all, I think it's all unfolding perfectly for Mm. each of us. So just keep following the little bits of guidance or the little intuitions or the gut feelings. And even if it doesn't make sense, just see what happens. Mm, Thank you. Thank you, Amelia. Thank (laughs) you for spending this time with us and sharing your story. Oh, that's fine. And, you know, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. I love talking to you guys. Oh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> I think it makes great leeway that if you want to be like Amelia and, uh, you know, come join us and share your story, cause considering it's just so relaxed and chilled <laughs> out, uh, you can get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. But this has been Life Burst. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Thank you again so much for joining us. And you can catch up with us so wherever you get your podcast from and on YouTube, Facebook, and all those other places you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. Great <laughs> to have you with us. See you next time. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman, with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshra Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.